Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. You want me to do the intro? <laughs> Jeff's doing the intro. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, what? I thought I was doing it. All right, do fine. It. fine, fine, Jeremy, you do it. Jeez, it's already it's already <laughs> terrible this is the hit factor uh jeff is coming at us from ada oklahoma but but yeah. he actually has internet tonight because he's not mm. at his house he is stealing internet from a undisclosed location yeah but he has internet so it's working fast and we have special guest coming at us all the way from Maine, which doesn't mean anything to anybody, but Mr. <laughs> Potato. And Mr. Potato. You know what? I don't I can actually on on this Riverside deal it shows his name, but I don't actually know his name because I've I've only ever known him as Potato on the Discord. And so I partly wish that we could like black his face out and like alter his voice so that he could yeah. he could live in this like world of anonymity that is the discord uh potato chat but i should have worn a luchador mask painted yeah. like potato. yes <laughs> yes okay so we have we have potato from discord okay what is your uh, is your actual name saul my actual name is saul do you go by saul I go by Saul. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't. I was just, I was just curious. Are you known by Potato in other circles? I am not. Really? So I, I don't have like a. I don't have the social medias. Um, I don't have a stable online presence. So uh, on Discord, I'm Potato for Hire. Uh, nowhere else in my life am I a potato for hire. <laughs> nowhere else I'm just Saul. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so Potato is a, a really good shooter. I've actually really wanted to have him on the podcast for a while because he always brings great insights into the Discord. Like, he's actually probably one of the saving graces of the Discord. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like, because, like, he's all, like the workout stuff like he's intense about like when we talk about like shooter rankings and power rankings like he's really into that like he just loves the sport he lives yeah. he breathes the sport like he's really into the training the shooting anytime we have contests or anything like that like he's all in it uh and so he's a really interesting guy on the discord even this is the first time i've ever, like spoken to him yeah. uh face to face across the continent <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's always adding like you often say stuff on the Discord. I'm like, God, we need to get this guy on the podcast. I, I, we got to talk to him more. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the only downside to it is he's smart. Mission, and it happens quite a bit that I enter a, a community and I really, really impress people, 
and yeah. get to know me and I get to see that disappointment <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there for the disappointment and well, that's kind of what I live for and right I start over somewhere else well, lucky for you Jeremy's really bad at hiding how disappointed he is in people so yeah. that's, that's true <laughs> so this, you know this might be the end of your shooting career you never know well it depends, it depends, it depends what I say in, in, in a few minutes here yeah yeah I we'll see how disappointed we get yeah that's that could be uh so we have we do have uh crazy stuff happening in uspsa right now uh we will be talking about all of the yemen stuff and the board stuff and all of that craziness but more importantly than that because i find it cooler and more important is that we just had the biggest match of the year so far as far as like the the number of people that were shooting it like the quality of competition at it and that was the dragon's cup down in odessa texas uh, and it's a little bit crazy that in odessa texas that they have been able to put on a match that has become as popular as it is because odessa texas is rough uh if, mm -hmm. if for those of you who aren't familiar with odessa uh it's only there because of all of the black stuff in the ground meaning the oil that's the only reason why midland odessa is a thing otherwise yeah. it's just a dirt pit so uh th there were two there were two in very interesting races uh being carry optics was probably the most like the, the number of high level shooters at this match was pretty crazy uh holy cow yeah I mean, just just insane level. I don't I don't even know. There's like 15 or 16 GMs, maybe 20 GMs in carry optics alone. Uh, the first the first 13 places are GM. So wow. that's pretty nuts for a, just a level two. Um, Potato, you shot this last year, didn't you? I did. It's a, it, it was a phenomenal match then, and it was really trying circumstances. I mean, the, the weather was not cooperative. It was like classic West Texas heat, um, mm -hmm. even though it was just in May. So I know they moved it to April to try and sort of beat the heat, and they, they still got a, a dust storm and a cold morning of rain, and every single person I've spoken to who was there still raves about the match. So if mm -hmm. people are walking away from a match in pretty trying conditions, um, that enthusiastic, that says something. And it probably says the rest of us should pay attention and do whatever they're doing at Dragon's Cup. Mm, there's a thought. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I haven't, I know lots of people in that club that I've known for a long time, but I haven't, I haven't made it down for the, for the actual match. But uh, from what I can see, like they build really, really good stages like that. Like that is almost first and foremost, what everybody says when they come out of it is these were the best stages we've shot this year and yeah. what has what i think has happened because of that reputation they've gotten is that good shooters want to go where there are good stages and so yeah. it is it is like you know the first couple of years there were a couple of big names that went i think they had like maybe max and jj came in and and taught maybe kind of around the match or had taught had taught at that club there before so they kind of you know they kind of brought those guys in and i you know i could be getting that wrong but that that was kind of what i thought i saw as an outside observer and then they had this reputation of great stages so when you have a couple of good people and then really good stages 
other good shooters want to shoot in those conditions. They want to shoot against good shooters and they want to shoot great stages. And then I think this, I think this match sold out in what, like it was Two like minutes. 10. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was extremely quickly. Like it sold out really, really fast. And I think that's, I think it's due to people want to shoot against the best shooters in the country and they want to shoot great stages. Uh, what I've not heard mentioned at Dragon's Cup is, as far as like how great it is, is because their prize table was just so great. And and I'm not, they may have had a great prize table. I really don't know, but that hasn't been like the reason for people wanting to go shoot this match. They yeah. almost certainly did. They they had a great prize table last year, and um, nobody talked about it then either. Um, yeah. And I, just looking at the scores across the years, uh, I know several people's feedback last year is that the hit factors sort of had crept up a little bit. And I think the stage designers took that to heart because this year, globally, <laughs> in any division, the hit factor dropped by a full point. It went from sort of <laughs> high seven average to low six average in the high cap divisions. So who's in charge of, like, stage design at this match? Do you know? I don't. I, I know the, the person in charge of the range, and I assume um, has has a role in recruiting the stage designs, but I couldn't. Mark Davis. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't heard like who like if they have a single stage designer or if they if they kind of farm that out to like lots of lots of people. Uh, I think somebody in the Discord knows. Let's see. Yeah, somebody, somebody in there will. might know. And, and they have. Um, they're willing to sort of do some bold things. So last year they had a visual start before everyone had a visual start. Uh, they were willing to put some sliders and some um, unfamiliar movers out there. And I saw they did that again this year. Um, and so people being willing to be bold without being gimmicky is a pretty hard balance to strike. And so we should reward clubs that do it. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they've done a, They've done a great job. Uh, the only the only thing that I saw that that could be again, this is from somebody who was not at the match. Uh, that could be uh, constructive criticism for him is like the DQ level was a little bit higher than than you would see at a normal level two match, and just based off like max michelle had several clips of stages that he shot it wasn't even full stages i don't think he had several clips and a lot of those it looked like there was a ton of uprange like movement like uprange movement on a draw to a target that was kind of on like a 180 ish line it looked like there was quite a bit of that at this match um and so like that you know, is that is that fine at a match? Yeah, it's fine, but I, I think maybe we can you can mitigate that by maybe not having quite as much uprange movement going to a target that's kind of on the one eighty. Again, and I was not there, so like that if that's bad criticism, then then they can they can just say, Hey, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, and that's that's okay. That's just what it looked like from from an outside observer's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Is that 30 odd DQs out of 440 shooters? Yeah, I didn't actually look at the, I didn't, let me look. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. 
That's about so, 5%. Uh, I know yeah. we've, talked to, we've spoken to Ray Hurst about this in the past, and he says 3% is about the global average if you're, you're talking about a level 2 or a level 3 match. So yeah. uh, anytime it creeps much, there have been mats and matches out here on the East Coast that were closer to 7 or 8%. Ooh. When you start talking about every single squad loses a shooter, uh, mm. then there's some stage design or questions. Yeah. Yeah, either a bad RO calling DQs that aren't, or yeah, stage designs that are that are really pushing shooters in really kind of just unsafe situations. And that, the again, that seems, I've heard some interesting uh, theories from ROs about what constitutes a 180, who don't really seem to understand that a, a muzzle is a circle, so you actually can see into it from about 200 degrees. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, the 180 call. Is that's a that's a tough one. Um, you, you know, you wonder if the sport, if it ever got enough money into it, that we'd be shooting with uh, with drones floating over over the top of each bay, and it just reads where the gun, the muzzle of the gun, like it can always read where the muzzle of the gun's at, and just have mm -hmm. a like a. So that if a drone just sends off a red light, you just automatically stop the shooter. That'd be kind that of cool. Really we dangerous could do that. for me because I really depend on um, moving really quickly between positions and um, nobody <laughs> having 100% confidence. <laughs> that's, that's one way to do it. Uh, you're not the. You are not alone in in using that technique to uh, to not get called for a 180 violation. But okay, so results. Uh, let's look at. Uh, carry optics. Max Michelle, one over over two hundred shooters in so, CO. It's technically the fourth largest or third largest CO match in the U.S. ever. Yeah, it's behind twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one nationals, but more shooters than twenty twenty for carry optics. Damn. And that makes sense because Carry Optics Nationals is in June or July this year. It's it's in the summer, end of June. So it's, you know, the Carry Optics Nationals coming up. It's before any other ones. So it makes sense that everybody is shooting their CO gun right now and getting ready for that because that is the Nationals that's, that's coming up most quickly. And there's lots of time after that to switch to a different division. Uh, yeah. So I think that makes sense. Um, you know, given given who all is shooting it, I thought the results were not shocking, but a little surprising. Because uh, Max Michelle won. Mm -hmm. And if everybody saw, if anybody saw my power rankings for my beginning power rankings for 2023, I think I had Max in seventh. He was he was like at the I had, there's like seven guys in the sport that are great, and I had him at the bottom of that. Yeah, uh, he did. Hmm. And he, he, you know, he showed me wrong. Like he made me look bad. Yeah, I had him in seventh. So not to get too much into uh, Max Michelle analysis, but he shot phenomenal points. Everybody knows he's going to be competitive on time in any match he's in, and that's been true um, when he was in open, and that's certainly true in carry optics. Um, but if you look, you've got to go six places to find somebody who shot as many points as him. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's true. And that person was 
22 seconds slower than he was right so that's yeah that's yeah, yeah. that's insane as you know especially i mean nils is is a guy that's typically extremely accurate uh and he was you know he had 27 less alphas than the max did mason actually who was second was actually really close mason shot an incredible match and you know he was he was right there with with max and points i mean just a few he had six mm-hmm. less out six left out less, less alphas than max had and mason had two mics and i actually think I think that was a, a target. If I was reading his Instagram earlier correctly, he actually did not engage a target. Uh, okay, so, the, so that's what the procedural is. That's what that the procedural might have TSA on stage five. Yeah. So, so otherwise, Mason actually shot that match clean, which is insane uh, because almost hmm. nobody, almost nobody did that. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Uh, and it, it looked like really challenging stages. So he he shot that match clean. Other than every every he hit every target he shot at. We'll just say that. <laughs> there you go. Man, I hope I hope someday people can say that about me. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a, that'd be a great a great thing to say. Uh, and you know, I, I gotta I gotta, you know, Mason has. You know, Mason got in the sport when he was really young. I think Mason has grown a lot uh, in the sport. Now he's one of the, the best shooters in the sport, obviously. But he like he made an Instagram post today where he was like, I think he said basically this was like probably one of the best, most complete matches he shot as a as a carry optics shooter, in carry optics at least. And you know, he finished second, and he he did not do the well. Basically, I won because if I had shot the target, then I would have had, I wouldn't have lost these 40 points. And so basically I won, basically I won. And he was like, no, like I, that's, that's part of my match. I, I skipped a target that another shooter didn't skip. And so I, I didn't win and I didn't deserve to win. Uh, you know, I like, that's actually pretty refreshing to hear from a, a top guy. Cause oftentimes we hear more excuses than we do, uh, anything than accountability so i thought that was cool to see from mason there yeah i mean i don't know about i mean i guess it is often but (laughs) (laughs) don't name names (laughs) don't name names nobody knows who you're thinking of (laughs) well i mean i'm yeah i was just thinking do a lot of people do that or is it just a select few that do that. Uh, I, I don't. I think once you get, once, I think once you get out of the very top echelon, almost everyone does that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's really hard for me to, to listen to friends do that. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of tune it out with my ears. Like I nod and I say yes because I want to be a friend. But I'm yeah. like, yeah. If I shot more points faster, I also would have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. I mean, there's only. There's not many top shooters that do that, but yeah, once you get out of the, the upper echelon, like a lot of guys at, at locals talk like that. And I think, I don't even say like tier two, like the people who are clawing, you know, yeah. from and I think 90% at uh, big matches. A lot of those guys, it's not necessarily, I don't think, 
that's them trying to discredit anything. I think it's more maybe ignorance of that that's part of the game. Yeah, like, you want to use what if. That's totally fine. Just go through and take a couple seconds off everyone who beats you's time and get rid of their mics. Yeah, yeah, that too. No. And then you're one of those weird people, Jeff, who shoots better at matches than they do in practice. Yeah. Jeremy knows my pain of we're pretty good when we're out on the range by ourselves and nobody's watching. Like, we're pretty good. And so <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to not judge other people's matches by my practice. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, that's so good. Yes. Yes. I love that. But like, you're one of those opposite people, Jeff, where it's like, you need the pressure and you need the match to, to show up. Yeah, I guess. Dude, I don't really know what, what the deal is, but I do shoot better at matches. It's just natural talent. It's just, it is a thing. It is. It's natural talent. Yeah. That's how he came out the shoot. I mean, I will say this for myself, like, and we're getting off topic here, but I was actually thinking about this on the way here, uh, thinking about like training and everything. And I was like, like I focus everything I do around match day. Like it, it doesn't matter to me what I can do in practice, what I can do in dry fire numbers. Like none of that shit matters to me. Like all I care about is training for match day. Like how's this going to affect match day? So that might have something to do with it. Mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to embarrass Jeremy on match day? <laughs> Whatever, hey, whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. I, I just hope you shoot well, Jeff. I want you, I want you to shoot really well. That's that's all I. Do. I will. I will. Man, it was a three year story arc for us to all figure out that Jeff was the villain. <laughs> I've been telling you guys, like I've been saying this from basically day one, and people didn't believe me. Uh, I think it's because he sounds like a goober, like, and so he's like, "This no way, somebody sounds like that, and they're actually mean." It's cover. It's cover. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so to get you back on track, like if you look at the rest of that, that sort of top 10 for carry optics yeah um, seven of those people are on the super squad for carry optics nationals so that right. sort of shows tells you who showed up for this match yeah so let's so just to like say that the names that were uh we'll go down there's kind of a break at a at about 12th place uh so max michelle won uh, Mason Lane was second at 98.6%. Jacob Heathering was third at 96.6%. Nils Jonasson was fourth at 95.7%. Jared Clanton, uh, Jeff's boy from Ozarks, was fifth <laughs> at 95.5%. And that's, I mean, like, that's super impressive because he busted in between yeah. then. Then JJ was sixth at 95.08%. So Jared busted into that kind of that top, that top, top, top level of guys oh. that, you know, yeah. the four guys ahead of him and JJ there and below him, like, those are like the four guys you expect to win carry off yeah. nationals, right? And Jared, Jared uh, got in there. So huge props to him. Yeah, uh, massive. Then, yeah, JJ at 95. Uh, Sean, it's, it's Sean Griffith, right? 
and that Sean Griffith, a seventh, 94.4. Tom Castro, eighth, 94.08. Uh, what's Constantine's first name? Hunter. Hunter. Hunter Constantine was 93.8. Miriam, or Bradley Miriam, uh, Brad was. Yeah, Brantley. Brantley. I'm sorry, Brantley. I, I know that it's Brantley. I just said Bradley. I don't know why. Uh, Ninety-three point seven. Uh, what story's first name? Jeremy. Oh, that's good. Good. Good first name. <laughs> good, 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 strong good, first name. Solid. Yeah, good solid first name. Jeremy Story at ninety-two point four, and then Isaac Lockwood at ninety-two point two percent. That's kind of crazy to go that deep. It's still, still in the 92 percentile, had 12 shooters deep, and you know Max, Michelle, Mason, Jacob, Hetherington are there, uh, are at the match, right? Like you normally expect a bigger gap whenever you see those guys there. So, a lot of really, really good shooters that had a lot of really good performances at the match and in carry optics. Is there any, is, do you guys have like a biggest surprise whenever like you look at those results? Like what's the biggest shock to you? Biggest shock? Is it like uh, Max beating Max all those Michelle guys? shooting more points than everybody around him. Okay. Um, I had two and they weren't really like with the, the winners. Like I wasn't really surprised to see those top four. One was to see Clanton, Jared Clanton that high. That was very surprising. The other one was to see Luke Cow that low down in 20th. Yeah, you know, I'm not so sure that's not, I haven't paid that much attention to Luke's. I'd have to go back to the competitor app and look at his stuff. Uh, I think that's pretty close to, I don't think he's that far out of his percentage range. They might not be. There. I just would have expected him you know, top 15. Yeah. No, I mean, certainly you certainly don't just like, like just number wise, placement wise, you don't expect to see him expect to see him down there. Percentage wise. I don't think that's that far off. I believe he is the, the first and only production optics light world champion. There that's will be. That's uh that's what it was. I was thinking that he had won uh, like a major title recently. He won the world shoot for production optics light. Yeah. IPSC, which, yeah, this is that production optics light is no longer a thing going forward in IPSC. It's a little uh, bit like being the modified world champion. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, the, Max's finish here uh, is actually pretty impressive considering where he was at at the world shoot because there's some stuff that came out after the world shoot that I certainly didn't know on. the uh, health. I'm pretty sure it's health issue-wise. He was dealing with some pretty bad health stuff. And I think he had a pretty, uh, I think from what I've seen, like he had, a, there was a pretty, a lot to go into physical recovery to just get back to competing well. And so th that was big for him. I, my hmm. biggest surprise is honestly seeing JJ in six. Like you just don't expect to see five people beat JJ at a match. Yeah. You don't. You don't expect five people to beat JJ at a nationals, and you certainly don't expect it at some match down in Odessa, Texas. That that there's but, five people beat him. But what was his unofficial finish? Well, 
I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that one yet this time. I wasn't sure if that had been released yet. So you know. I I have not I've not seen anything to that to that effect yet. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, the crazy finish there. Uh, we got to move on. Uh, so the other, the other division that was just crazy was limited. Uh, Johnny Giordano won. Uh, John Browning was in second, and Scott Brown was third. And the the mm-hmm. crazy thing about this is, one that, that's a really good finish for Gianni coming off like. Johnny's last year, like his, his, he, Johnny's super young. Right. And in 2021, like he was really like this up and coming, like he was the up and coming junior shooter, especially yeah. like in iron sights limited. And then he kind of last year, like his results, it's not that he had bad results last year. They just weren't, I didn't feel like they, they weren't quite as good as the previous year, but then Scott kind of started, overshadowing Johnny just a little bit, especially with Scott's nationals finishing second at limited yeah. nationals last year is like, okay, I guess Scott's going to kind of, is going to be, be kind of the, the young up and coming guy. So to see Johnny come out and, and win this, uh, but shoot ridiculously fast times. Um, uh, Johnny was super fast. Scott was, that gun, were there any carry optic shooters that were as fast as Scott was? Uh, Tom Castro was four seconds faster, but other than that, nobody in carry optics kept up with Scott. He was two okay. seconds faster than Max. That's nuts. So that's crazy. And here's here's the crazy thing. John Browning beat him, and he was 20 seconds slower. Yeah. Very interesting there. 95% of points goes a long way. Yeah, he knocked down a lot of points. A lot. And and John shot. Uh, he clipped one no shoot. Yeah, but but he didn't have it, no mics. Uh, so hitting what you're aiming at affords you a lot of time. It would appear that way. A lot of time. Although, so, in fairness, Johnny had three mics and the no shoot. He was just also <laughs> very very fast. Yeah, I mean Johnny almost, but Johnny his alpha count was a lot better than Scott's right. He had 30, he had 30 more alphas. There's 30 points right there, just in alphas alone, which, you know, that, that more than one, I mean, that, that was basically the difference. It's 46 point spread and 30 of those points are alphas. Right. Right. So that, that many alphas in one mic and then, then Scott's basically tied. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's, I, I love seeing those finishes. And there was there was a pretty big jump off there to, to fourth place. Uh, so, but mm-hmm. I love I love seeing limited be contested like that at that level because those guys definitely were shooting really really well. And I think that the cool thing from home is they were I believe they were shooting on the same squad. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think they're I think they're friends. They've gotten to know each other because they're both just really excellent shooters. Yeah, that is another interesting thing uh, on this match. Like, how many of those top CO guys were actually shooting with each other? You know, a lot of them. Really, Max, Max Nils, and JJ were on the were on the same squad. Okay. Yeah, because this, I'm guessing, this isn't like they didn't have a designated, or they might have a designated like super squad type squad. 
No, I don't think so. Uh, it, it was probably just guys just hopping on the same squad together. Yeah. The, the top guys are just like everybody else. They like shooting with other top guys for the most part because yeah. like that, that's they enjoy that too uh, mm-hmm. for, for the most part because one, they're friends with them. They, they, there are Obviously, there are some personalities that don't get along. Uh, that's obvious. But for the most part, like these, the guys that are really good shooters, they're friends with all the other good shooters because they see them at all the matches all over the country. And yeah. so, yeah, it makes sense that they want to, that they want to squad together and shoot together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only one I do, I do got to give my buddy, uh, Brett Thomas, a shout out in production. Uh, Sal Luna won production. Casey Reed was second at 94% and Brett was 89.29% of Sal and Sal shot a, a really great match from what it what it looked like uh, sal is one of the best in my opinion one of the top uh five best shooters in the country i believe uh so i have him um but for brett to finish at uh 89 percent of them 89 plus like that that was a mm-hmm. big jump because like a year ago he would have been 80 percent of them so so for him to finish there was i was i was super excited for brett uh, he, he's the guy that's local to me that helps me run matches and we train together some and, mm-hmm. and travel, travel together some. So happy to see him shoot really well. And, uh, Aaron Eden's winning open. Always nice to see. I love Aaron. Um, yeah. And the other interesting story, maybe not to y'all, but to me is the second place in open June Kim is really a, I only know him as a carry optic shooter sort of up and coming carry optic shooter in the last couple of years. Maybe he's Las Vegas based, I want to say. Um, but I've never seen him in an open match. And I don't think he's classified. In open. Yeah, he's unclassified in practice score, at least on that. That's a pretty strong finish. Yeah, yeah. 97.4% of the, the current 2022 national champion. open national champion. Yeah, that's that's solid. Yep. But yeah, Aaron seems like a like a really cool guy. So always happy to see to see him win. The the AMU has a really strong team right now. To have to have three guys, the three guys that they have uh, with uh, Jacob, John Browning, and Aaron Eddins. Uh, that's uh, they got they have a really really solid team. They I mean they almost always have have good shooters, but but they've got a really solid team going right now. Okay, that is Dragon's Cup. Uh, you forgot glad to see PCC. it. You didn't want to talk about PCC? What's PCC? PCC? Oh, oh. no. Max, Max Leogranis won, right? He shot it, so he won. Okay. Yeah, he, but, he did. Yeah. That's, that's good enough. You guys can talk about PCC if y'all want to, but that's... Know. That's I don't know anybody that shoots it I, other I, than Max. I don't know anything about it. I mean, I see them. I'm aware they. <laughs> I really what what is PCC? Uh, I don't know. That yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so the yeah, well, okay. Let's let's move on from Dragon's Cup. Uh, So there has been some craziness in USPSA lately. We do not currently have a president. Well, Mm -hmm. I should say our vice president, which I think is area eight. Area eight, Ted Murphy. 
Ted Murphy, who is our vice president, is currently serving as president as of right now, as far as I understand. Uh, well, the president is still the president pending appeal. Correct. But Not they've eligible to serve as the president. Correct. Correct. So uh, what I'm going to Who do. Who would have ever seen any of these things happening when you change the bylaws really, really quickly for no real defensible reason? It's shocking. This? It's shocking. I don't I can't think of anybody within our 38,000 member organization that could have that could have looked ahead. And oh, wait, who was that really good limited shooter at Dragon's Cup? Because I feel like his dad called this exact scenario based on the <laughs> specific bylaw 18 months ago. Oh, he might have. Bless oh, okay. uh, but Pat, right, you know, carry on. Don't yeah, let me Pat's crazy. Slide. Uh, okay, so here's I'm going to lay out what my understanding of the situation is and understand that USPSA has not put out an official statement yet that I've seen. Uh, and Yemen has not put out an official statement either, what hmm. I've seen. Um, so, so we are going off of what, like practical shooting insights. Obviously, he has Derek has been all over this, uh, yeah. and and posting just tons of stuff. And I can't keep up with all like everything that he posts. So, and and obviously he's he's dealing with anonymous sources. Uh, he, he's got he keeps his sources anonymous, which I totally understand why he does that. Uh, but I have to treat that with a certain amount of guardedness, even though, like. He's not been proven wrong, but I still am going to treat this with a little bit of guardness. Okay, so here's my understanding of the situation. Yeeman was helping to, or was ROing at a, it was a level two match in California. And he was, I assume, the scoring RO. And my understanding is that when he was uh, scoring some deltas, he called the deltas dicks instead of deltas. And, oh. <laughs> and there was a formal that that there may be more to that story okay there there may be more to it but that is what i have heard and there was a formal complaint filed by danny Ooh. minter uh who is he's kind of had it out for you man this is what i've also heard that he's had it out for you man since before you man was president uh okay. trying to petition so that he couldn't even become president and he, so he doesn't like Yeeman at all. And I think that's a fairly well known and accepted thing. Uh, so he complained, uh, filed a complaint with Troy and Troy pulled Yeeman's RO credentials. Am I wrong here? No, eventually, but actually first there's like an internal ARB committee okay. for ROs. So the complaint first gets heard by like okay. a body of RMs who then recommend um, a disciplinary procedure. Okay. Up mm -hmm. to and including um, pulling certification, which isn't an option available to that RM committee. Mm -hmm. Although from, if we're to believe what's available to us, that is not what that RM committee recommended be done. Mm. Yeah. Now that you say that, like, I think they, re they did not recommend pulling RO credentials if, the, again, we're kind of in the rumor mill, right? Like we haven't we haven't got an official sure, statement. No, all I'm doing is repeating what other people tell me on the social medias. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So they did not. High quality analysis that you get at uh, ten thirty. Yeah. Canada. 
Yeah, we're doing what we can. Uh, so, but but Troy did remove his RO credential, so he's no longer an RO. Well, due to the fact that the board changed the bylaws a little while ago, to if you're going to be an officer on the board, you have to have a lifetime membership and you have to have an RO certification. Otherwise, you cannot serve on the board. And so, by de facto, Troy removing Yeeman's RO certification, he can no longer serve on the board. Did, all right, did he, was he like aware of this bylaw change when he yanked the certification? He was like, uh, I'm gonna do this and it's it. so, gonna uh, cause yeah, this. For the rumor mill, acutely aware of it. Okay, okay. I was I mean, just curious if he was just like yanking stuff willy nilly and wasn't thinking about it, or if it was like very. Like, for instance, maybe he thought Yeman had put a sticker on a porta potty or something, and he was just trying to do the right thing, and he didn't even realize there would be this fallout from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I have a tough time. I mean, it is Troy, so I guess Troy has demonstrated a lack of knowledge of the rules in the past. Uh, so maybe yeah. he, maybe he was totally ignorant of this, but I I have to I have to kind of operate under the assumption that DNROI understands what the bylaws are in the sport that he is uh, the final judge and authority for I, I, I just just because it's fun to disagree with you in person after disagreeing with you in my head and listening to you for years. <laughs> In fairness to the NROI, the bylaws aren't. His That's bylaws. true. That 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 is true. It, the laws of the game are, but the the laws of the org are its own strange beast. Yeah. Hmm. So that is up for the viewers or the listeners to decide if they think Troy knew what he was doing and pulling Yeeman's RO credentials. Right. Or he like yanked it, and then the board called him up and was like. What the hell, man? Now we have to freaking kick him out. Well, that would be hard because it was Yeeman who told the rest of the board members that he uh, was no longer president. So they didn't. <laughs> that that tracks a little bit too. Uh, Solid. Oops. Yeah. So, and then also like how it became known that at least as far as I became aware that Yeeman was no longer serving as president, somebody tried to send him an email and the email was turned as no, that is not a valid address anymore. So apparently uh, Donna, Donna Webb, is that her last name? Uh, who is our executive director, managing director, what, what title? Director. Managing, managing director. director. That's the title. They, it was, Kim had, was, I think was executive director. She's a managing director. Uh, Apparently, like she just pulled all of Yeeman's stuff, but there's a problem with that in that Yeeman is an he's not just an officer on the board; he's actually an employee, and she doesn't quite have the authority to just uh, just make him not an employee uh, mm. without without an appeals process and all of that for these reasons. So, uh, I think she jumped the gun a bit. Applied to another member of the board who isn't an employee, you could just immediately terminate their board position right the moment you became aware yeah so that you know that brings up a, a very interesting part of this discussion is that uh our lovely area area four is the one that jeff and i live in uh not potato he, he's out of this area are you seven i am seven you're seven okay um 
our lovely area is area four. We just nominated as an area, not personally, but we just nominated Mel Rodero uh, as our area director. And I believe there was, I'm going to get my dates wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to shy on the low side. He had at least 150 days from the time he was elected to whenever he went into office to get his RO certification. He did not do that. Uh, he is still currently, we're almost four months through the year. He is still currently not an RO. So there's a problem with that. Mel has never been qualified to be in that position. And well, I hope he didn't vote on limited optics because then maybe we wouldn't really have limited optics. <laughs> Any vote he has cast uh, since he has been in office is not a legal vote. Like he, he, he doesn't actually have the authority to cast that vote. And as such, the members of Area 4 have not had a representative on the board for the last four months. Uh, I, I don't know how Jeff feels about that. That that Man. frustrates me quite a bit. Uh, that that somebody that's going to be in that position can't take the time to uh, take an RO class. And I know I have heard I have heard that he faced some extenuating circumstances uh, with uh, I believe it was a, he had a he had a, a family member uh, pass away. Before, I think in the in the time before he went into office, and so there's there's that extenuating circumstance, and I hundred percent get that. Uh, there's there's a problem. There's there's a couple problems here with that. One, when the board changed the bylaws to require an RO certification, they were not smart enough to put in there any sort of uh, way around that. It was yeah. it was black and white. You have to be an RO or not. There there is no such thing as extenuating circumstances within the bylaws, and the board doesn't have the power to just ignore the own bylaws that, that they enacted. Uh, the other issue with with Mel claiming extenuating circumstances is that we can go look at the matches that he shot in that time period and traveled to, and they are numerous. There he was traveling and going to a lot of matches. So it's, it's really tough to make a claim of, of emotional distress. And so that's why I couldn't take an RO class, but I have time to go shoot uh, and try to compete in a bunch of matches. Uh, mm, so yeah. if you step back one level though, and I'm curious what Jeff would say one, one level back is having an RO certification a reasonable requirement to serve on the board? RO certification. No, I mean, I think it would be helpful, you know, to kind of understand the sport a little bit. You know, that's always helpful when you're in charge of it, but. I don't know about requirement. I think an RO certification is a lot like a driver's license, right? It, it, it means you're allowed to drive. You're allowed mm -hmm. to hold the tablet. You're allowed to hold the timer. You can work a match, and that's good. And yeah. someone at some point did sit, like, next to you in the car and, like, make sure you didn't run into anything, and you could do a three-point turn, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're a good driver, and it doesn't mean you understand driving. It doesn't mean you know the law okay. of driving. It means, you know, and I don't know, I have an RO certification. I use it all the time. It's great. I don't know if I know any more or less about the rules than 
prior to when I had the RO certification. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to disagree with me, but you just look like you're beaten up by allergies, sir. <laughs> no, dude, it's this freaking camera. Like, it really is. It's, it's making me all red. Like, I'm he not have red. A he doesn't have a studio look my, space. Look at my lips, dude. They're freaking pink. They really are. They're not really pink. <laughs> well, I apologize to the listeners. Uh, <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's giving pouty pouty lip faces to the camera right now for yeah, our if, for our if, audio if listeners. If you don't watch this on YouTube, you just missed that amazing duck face. Yes. Dude, my teeth are like freaking yellow and my lips are pink. It's freaking. I anyway. really hope somebody's somebody really needs to screenshot that on the. Yeah, whenever Jeff's doing the duck face, we need a new meme. <laughs> uh, but you no, know, I, I think. I think the uh, the RO requirement to being on the board, like I think that was silly. I don't I don't totally understand what their goal was in instituting that. In that, because because then like when Layton went in, it's like he had to go and rush to get an RO certification really quick. Well, if you're trying to get people on the board that are ROs, like just requiring that, yeah, they just go get it the day before. So if you just sit through the class, that doesn't mean you're an RO. Like that doesn't mean you're good at RO. It means you sat through a class. Like it's <laughs> like, that's all I could just, you spend a weekend sitting through a class paying Troy to, or one of the other RMs to, uh, but okay. So also like, how do you, how do you get an RO certification? Like who, who decides that? So you attend a, a two-day seminar that is mm -hmm. put on by the Range Master Institute. Um, so an RMI, a Range Master instructor, can um, come out and offer these two-day seminars. Day one is classroom instruction. Day two is practically running people um, on a range. It's really about familiarization with the range commands and scoring calls. Yeah. Um, and then annual recertification through an online portal. If you pay out of pocket, you're gonna pay about $60. Um, when I went to get my RO certification, I paid $60 for the, the course, $120 for the hotel room, and whatever it cost me in gas to drive four and a half hours away. Um, for doing that, I now have the privilege of performing about 5% worse at every local map. <laughs> yeah. So the RMI is the one that bestows the RO certification on you? Um, well, it, it's signed off on by DNRI, but um, you have to pass the test afterwards. So you need that, that instructor to sign off on it and then you have pass the test. It used to be paper, moved online a few years ago. Um, and it's, it's an open book test. It's about where to find the rules, not about um, sort of knowing the rules, which I, I don't have a problem with. I think it's yeah. people know where to find the rules, not that they yeah. memorized them. Hmm. I don't so ultimately gives people a lot of insight into what divisions should be where and what competitive equity means and what like a lot of the kind of challenging questions that the board has decided it needs to answer i'm not sure mm -hmm. they need to answer but they've decided they need to answer i'm not sure that ro certification bears on those so ultimately dnroi says you're an ro yep 
Also since you're not an RI, as we've just right. about. This is like the third time that anyone knows of it happening. The other one was like the, the Paul Hendricks plus two. So are there any laws in in place that he can't just bestow somebody an RO? Oh, they have to pass. I'm pretty sure it's in there that they have to pass the class. And if, if your certification is revoked, then there's a process by which you, you're you ineligible to hold our O certification either forever or for a period of time. Mm. So, yeah, so the, the what we know about Yee-Man, uh, like this was not him cheating. This was not him not knowing the rules uh, or anything like that. Uh, this was this, uh, this was, was him being else. his authentic self. If you've been on yeah. he runs, like he's kind of a jocular guy who wants to have a good time and wants to joke around. And so this is actually kind of like a backdoor to fuck people with. Yes, right. Now so you're like the front door. <laughs> like, yeah, right Jeff. So if you uh, if you had somebody that you or a group of people didn't like as a board member, they could all file very official complaints and try to get RO certification revoked and hence remove them from the board. Yeah, and it would be at the sole discretion of the DNROI, regardless of what the like appeals board of RM said about yeah. um, the complaint. Interesting. Yeah, so basically like it, it, it's irrelevant in who the membership selects as president. If Troy doesn't like him, or if they don't like them as a whole, then they can just simply remove him, just simply by pulling his RO credentials. Uh, which that that seems to be a, that seems to be an issue that should be addressed immediately. Uh, and the biggest problem with that is is the the seemingly like they like Mel, so they want to just offer him, they've given Mel an extension to get his RO certification is what, what they have, the board has done about that. Uh, and like, un, they don't actually, they can't actually do that under their own bylaws. They're just doing that. They're just making that up as they go. And you know, that that's kind of the, that that's the whole crux with, with the board and, and the image that they're putting out right now is, uh, the way they treated Hopkins, uh, and you know, getting him gone, get, getting Yee Man gone, uh, and and then by their keeping Mel because they like Mel and he's going to vote status quo. He has so far, and all his all of his ineligible votes have all been status quo with the rest of the BOC. Um, so, you know that that's a that's a frustrating thing with the board. And I don't, I don't know how to like, there's I would love to have less board, a lot less board. <laughs> really? Like, yes. I, I don't think we need a board. I don't think we're an organization that needs a board. That's got like, that meets regularly and does things. I, I think we print money by charging clubs to run USPSA matches. We print it because we give those clubs literally nothing. There mm -hmm. is a server somewhere that, records classifier uploads but we provide nothing to those clubs besides a piece of paper that says they're eligible to run matches and i don't even think we send a physical piece of paper necessarily anymore maybe we do uh mm -hmm. so so we print money for matches what do we need a board for well you need it for rule stability and we, we haven't had a lot of that uh you need it 
to put on the best possible competitions on a national scale that that uh, an individual club could never possibly host, like, I don't know, some dirt pit in Odessa. Um, right. So, I mean, it's, it's good timing that Dragon's Cup did such a good job right when the board's not doing a good job because it's like, what what is the value that they bring? So I would have said, you know, I, an even younger and even dumber me would have said, oh, the board is great because they're the only ones who can have the national reach, right, to sort of deliver USPSA on a national scale. Mm -hmm. That doesn't appear to be the case. So I'm not sure, other than a, a frequently changing rule book, um, what they do. And, and this is not even a personal attack against the individual board members, because I am certain they will spend 30 hours in the next month dealing with the wreckage of these poor decisions. So, like, their lives will be unpleasant. They will get hundreds of emails from members. People will call them. People will, like, give them side-eye at matches, right? Like, their life will be unpleasant, and they will feel like, we're working really hard for this organization. We just spent 30 hours on this. It's like, yes, but you spent 30 hours cleaning up a mess that had no reason to exist. That's entirely the creation of bylaw changes that nobody asked for and that nobody needed. Right. And so it's like, if you go around breaking things and then complain about spending your entire life cleaning up the mess, it's you're the problem, right? Like where, what, what do the members get from the board? I don't know. I'm a member. So I'm kind of curious. Like, what does the board give me that I can't get? Well, I mean, Ted Murphy gives, Ted Murphy (laughs) represents you and he is your voice of reason. Which is hard board. because I don't live in Area 8, so I never got to vote for the guy. Oh, that's rough. Oh, wait, you're in Area 7. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're in Area 7. Who Do you have Frank Rizzi? Is that... Frank Rizzi. Yep. Uh, yeah. Manhattan Island matches. Uh, new in the position. January 1st was his first day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what you get, is you get your representative on the board. Um, you know, I, I've, I've thought this for a long time. If the board would just stop meeting, like, like just don't meet, like meet quarterly or biannually and, and like, do right. Like, like I actually think like their lives would be easier. Like, I think the membership would be happier. Like if we just never heard about the board, like we'd be, we would, we would think like, we would think better of them. So, you know, my kids go to the local YMCA for stuff. Um, uh Sometimes I go there. They have a board. I've never heard of them. (laughs) Do you know why? Because, like, the building's open when I go to it, and, like, the pool is clean, and, like, there's karate for the kids or whatever, right? Like, I don't need to know what they're doing because, yeah. Yeah. I I fully agree. Uh, And it doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. They're doing a great job by being invisible. Right. I think that's a good that's a sign of a good board is if you just don't like hear like you you aren't aware of them. Uh and yeah. obviously with all of the bannings that have happened, uh with just poor treatment of people, um the bylaw changes, the rule changes, all just just it's like every time they meet, they're just like, What can we how can we screw with people today? Well, and, and so this is my big rant is the, and just so now that I have you captive, I'll give it to you. <laughs> so many Good of our problems in the last seven, eight years have come from this notion that we need to grow the sport 
and there's like a lot of sort of natural limits around what ranges can host what and all of that people have discussed that quite a bit but i also just don't think it's true like i don't think we need to grow the sport i think we need to have the good version of the sport we have and the comparison i i have is i've got a sister-in-law who's an ultra marathoner right how do you grow ultra marathons right like how many people are going to go out and run 100 miles right like well last year 75,000 in the u.s 75,000 unique individuals like three quarters of a million because a bunch of them run multiple races but 75,000 like unique people there's probably not that many more people who want to run an ultra marathon you know we've got if you include like all the action shooting sports maybe 100,000 people who want to run around dirt pits with guns like, mm-hmm. if we did a really good job of recruiting, what would it be, 110,000? Right? Like, it's not a sport for everybody. Uh, and it right. doesn't need to be. Um, so I don't know if growth, and if we're a really good version of ourselves, the people we want to play will find us. We won't be yeah. able to keep them out. Um, yep. And if, if we're trying to open the door because growth by itself justifies the logic of having a board that spends hundreds of thousands of dollars doing board stuff because then they get more members to pay for the board to do more board stuff but the quality of the sport is in no way enhanced i i fundamentally don't understand that so i mean i, I think even the knowledge the the logic of a business or growing uspsa is misguided i think just make uspsa good and the right people will show up yeah i, I agree doing much I, I fully agree. And also like they, they will look to and point, will look at all this growth that we've done. Well, guess what? Like, do you know, like the number of new gun owners in the, like, because of political issues, like in the last like five years, like, have you looked at those statistics? I don't, I don't have those statistics in front of me currently, like the number of guns that were sold and the number of new gun owners is through the roof. Like, I mean, it's just, it's astronomical. Of course we're going to have, growth in our sport because you have you have millions and millions and millions of more guns on the market people buy a gun they want somewhere to go shoot it okay where are we going to go shoot it so like they can claim all this growth but i don't know that they deserve a whole lot of the responsibility for that personally you know it'd be there's probably ways that people can track the metrics on all that and and you could do surveys that would tell you but that would require them to actually put effort into a legitimate survey, not just stuff that they make up late at night. I mean, like at, at my local club, we softly recruit for action shooting just because it's, it's one of the ways to join the club. You got to go mm-hmm. and be supervised shooting three times. Well, okay. when can you be supervised shooting? Well, there's matches up on this calendar. Show yeah. up there. There you go. Now club members have seen you shoot, right? So, I mean, things like that that uspsa doesn't send us marketing materials or flyers or like go out there and shake people's hands it's like if you want to join our gun club you're you're going to be exposed to practical shooting right so then you guys are actually the ones recruiting for uspsa and all they have done is charge you they have charged you to recruit to their to their business we pay for permission to use their materials to bring people in, which again, I don't have a problem with. I'm okay with right. printing money for the org, as long as it just turns around to make awesome matches. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's where I hope I hope most people are because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there at least social media saying I'm not going to renew, I'm not going to re up, I'm not going to become a member, blah blah blah. Like, I mean, you can do that, but like, I'm perfectly fine giving USPSA money because I, I like the sport. Like I, 
they did create the sport. So like there's that you do owe them a somewhat from that point, not the current board. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm fine paying USPSA so that we have an organized sport. We have a national sport. I think that's good. I don't want the whole world to go outlaw. That's, that's not, I don't think that's beneficial to anybody. Um, but yeah, there, there should be a little bit, maybe more recognition, uh, for that both directions, um, for sure. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Okay. The other thing that the board did, uh, recently, which has gone a little bit un I think it's gone a little bit unnoticed because of, because of all the stuff with E-Man and with Mel not being our own him, E-Man getting pulled and all that is the board actually voted, uh, to reduce the salary of the presidential position even lower. So they reduced it another $10,000. I think it's, I think the salary is now $50,000 a year for, for president. Um, in fairness, and this is where we definitely disagree. The president isn't the president anymore. They are just an at-large board member. They have no responsibilities that the president used to have. They're just another person on the board, plus they run nationals. They run and nationals they and they are RD for, for IPSC, right? So they are, they are that for IPSC and they're, but they're also required to travel to every area match uh and all the nationals so you're at last year there were five or six nationals that that includes steel challenge uh, so i assume steel challenge nationals and steel challenge uh worlds which is kind of weird that there's there there's a nationals and there's a world speed mm. shooting championship uh so the president's got to be at both of those uh so multi-gun nationals uh, and the, all the other handgun nationals, they have to be at, uh, the annual IPSC. So there's, there's actually a lot of, tra like a lot of travel that's required of the president. I mean, we're talking probably close to 20 weekends that's required of the president. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so <laughs> is that a part, is it a, is it a full-time gig or a part-time gig? Yes. Uh, potato is right that they, I'm sorry. I, I know you're Saul, but you're just going to be potato. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been a potato my whole life. I'm glad people are finally coming around to seeing that. <laughs> there we go. That's perfect. Uh, like he is right in that the board stripped him of a lot of the stripped the president, not him. It could be a, she, it could be a her, uh, but they stripped the president of much of the power and gave it to the managing director. Here's the problem with that is that then they stripped power from an elected position. So they took power away from the members of the org and they gave it to a person that the board assigns that gives it. So they, they took power for themselves and took it away from the members. That's, that's the problem. I personally feel like by them reducing the pay of the president that they are further reducing the power of that position because they are reducing the number of people who are want to apply for it. Uh, the, the two area directors who um, made the motion to f for that to, to reduce the salary and then second it was area three and area seven. I'm not sure which one motion for and which one second it, but it was it was those two. Uh, they are the two new area directors uh, that were kind of they were kind of heralded to be the the anti board directors to go in that they are going to they're going to change things they're going to be different than the old board um i think in their minds they're thinking well we've got to get a handle on our spending 
uh, in this sport. And so if anywhere that we can reduce spending, we're going to do that. And so they reduced it there. And we actually have one of them uh, is on the discord. Uh, and he said, you know, what they did as a board is they looked at the national average for a full-time position and our president who is that's supposed to be a part-time position is getting paid more than the national average for the full-time position uh and so that they feel fully justified yes i thought he was okay yeah so the, the the president was making more than the national average for a full-time position and so they feel like since it's a part-time position they need to lower it to be beneath that yeah 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 i mean i think no i think your your argument was pretty sound in that it's like what what other part-time position requires you know 20 20 weeks of travel and like basically takes away your ability to work any other job. Well, in fact, most positions that require 20 weeks of travel consider that full time because of the challenges of travel. And yeah. You work, you know, month on month off. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you counted all those hours, so like all the hours that person is actually not at home, like I, I guarantee you, it's a full time job. Full-time job. Uh, so I think treating that like a part-time position is dumb and using that as justification to reduce the salary is dumb. Yeah, I think it's all dumb. You call me Jared, it's dumb. No, I, I think that's fine. Uh, the The question that I posed to them, to, to that uh, person was, okay, you guys use that logic for the president's position. Then, then by that logic, every single person on staff at USPSA that's a full-time position, are they simply making the national average for what a full-time position is paid? Or are we mm -hmm. only going to apply that logic to a position that's elected by the members? That, that's, that's where there's, a, there's an issue with that because they, they, didn't t they just took a national average. Now, now, I, now I get what you're saying is, hey, if we're only gonna reduce the salary of the ones the members choose, but the one, the organization, where there's a, a, a split between the organization, which now has its own sort of structure in life, and the members, mm -hmm. and their compensation is determined by, you know, themselves, uh, essentially. Right. I'm sorry, by the board. Right. Yeah, like, if we're going to apply that logic to that position, we should apply that logic to every position. And, and I, I don't want to hurt our director of IT. It's not his fault. It's not his fault, uh, but what should Troy be? Should Troy be making the national average? Because I'm guessing the national average for the director of the National Range Officer Institute. Well, no, they, well they they didn't take an as far as my understanding they didn't take a national average for a specific position. It was just the national average for a full time like a full time oh, I know. I'm just curious what the average DNRI is. Yeah. Uh, too much. It's too much. Uh, he gets paid way too much is all I know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't like that. Uh, 
there have apparently there have been some people that lurk on our discord that have thought I've been very unfairly critical of uh, area three. I believe that's Scott Arnberg and, and have, have voiced their, their displeasure with, with other members in area three that I need to shut my mouth. Uh, when I'm talking really? about Scott, have they yeah. got you? Uh, I, I, I don't. I mean, they've been listening to you for the last three years. Like, no, 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 no offense intended. It just doesn't seem like ah, uh, we got to quiet Jeremy up about this. Let's mention it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it's you could try. It's a good approach to try. Um, but I, yeah, so. Can I like rudely interrupt because there's like I, a thing I gotta I gotta bug Jeff about this. Is he posted a thing on the Discord about dry fire feeling spectacular? Yes, uh, yeah. thank you. Thank and you I so have much. No idea what that means, and that sounds amazing. I have no idea either. <laughs> it sounds great. Like, what does that mean? I think that's a great question. It just means everything was clicking. Like I was hitting the draws just like I wanted to. The mags were going in the gun just like I wanted to. The gun was coming up right where it was supposed to. It was just like everything was going how I wanted it to go for the whole session. And finally, I just like hung it up and I was like, damn, that was good. That was really good. So did you learn anything? No, it just felt good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, right, right now is not the uh, discovery phase of dry fire for me oh right now you're just like i just want my body to do what i tell it to do yeah it's just it's just time to get reps in and and try to uh create those neural pathways i guess if you wanted to put it that way yeah that's all it is it's just it's just getting reps in and trying to do the right things that i know are right this is this is not a time of discovery really it's not supposed to be. I'm not saying I haven't discovered things, but that uh, that's what it's supposed to be. And that's what spectacular means. It means it was exactly how I wanted it to feel. And you put in like 40 confounding variables, so you have no idea why it's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned earlier, everything that I do is thinking like match day. Like what's going to make me better on match day. So I'm like doing all these things. I make like tiny little tweaks throughout my entire life. And this is ridiculous. Like nobody should do this, but it's like, Don't worry, nobody will. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I consciously spend more time standing up throughout the day because I want to be able to fatigue less by the end of a match. So throughout my week, work week, like I sit on my ass for a living. And uh, so I have a stand-up desk that I don't often use, but from here until the end of the season, like I'll be trying to stretch out and stand as much as I can during the day because I want to be very comfortable on my feet for 12 hours. And for somebody that doesn't sit on their ass, like they probably think I'm a pussy for even saying that. But for someone who does sit on my ass, like it's a big deal. And I'm very soft when it comes to standing on my feet for a long period of time because of how much I sit. So fighting back against that is a big deal and has an effect for me. So little things like that. Places to train like everywhere, basically. Yeah, I, I exactly. Last week was 
who's been around shooting for 20, 20 odd years, but getting really into it right now. And you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, driving. And so he's gripping the steering wheel, trying to isolate his trigger finger. Yeah. Right? yeah. He's trying to grip the steering wheel with like maximum perfect pressure as if it's a handgun. <laughs> you know, as yeah. you're on the highway, working oh, that's... finger without, without any sympathetic movement. Great. Jeff has that's, another idea. Yeah, that's a good example. Another thing is like I can see outside from my office here and I'll practice changing focal depth. Yep, focal depth changes. Yep, you're like, all right, I'm going to pick up the yeah. fire hydrant that that little yeah. neural on the tree and then I'm going to bring it right back into the yeah door. I'll like look at the edge of my monitor and then I'll pick like a power pole outside and I'll just practice going back and forth and just little things like that that uh, I'm doing all the time yeah and it's all with match day kicking Jeremy's ass in my <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to go fire 100,000 rounds a year. <laughs> well, you know what is way cheaper than firing 100,000 rounds? Looking at, looking at electrical poles? Yeah, looking at poles and standing up. I thought, I thought the hotness was target focus, so you didn't need to change focal depths. Oh, no, you have to change focal depths because targets change. Yeah, so, yeah. like, that's actually, like, if you go from a far target to a close target, especially once you get a little bit older, which you'll find <laughs> it, uh, with iron sights, like, you go from a far target to a close target, you'll be waiting on your eyes to sort of bring that close target into focus. Oh, so then sight focus is better because your sight, your focal depth doesn't have to change. It just stays on your no, sight. No, because you move back and forth it's faster. You still got to look at the target so you know where you're shooting. Ah, there's a blur out there. Yes. There's a blur out there. You just index on the blur, set yeah. to, and wonder exactly. why it went wrong. Yeah, it works. Mm -hmm. It works. No, I, yeah. I, I actually am glad that you asked that question of Jeff because, yeah, I didn't know what the spectacular dry fire session is. That also shows the difference between Jeff and myself um, because, <laughs> for instance, okay, uh, I know Jeff plays a little bit of golf. I don't, Potato, you ever play golf? I have, but I'm, I, I'm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I, like I'm, a, I'm a decent golfer, like, single-digit handicap. Uh, and, like, so if I, I go to the range. The topic of golf has come up. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, if I go to the driving range and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the range. I'm just going to try to hit, like, I'm not going to try to shake the ball in your I'm just going to try to hit my driver and just get a consistent shot. So, I'll go, I'll hit three, like, three great ones. And I'm like, oh, well, I've got this locked in. So, now let's try to cut the ball. And then now let's try to, we'll try to draw the ball. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so then I start jacking with my swing. And then all of a sudden, like five shots later, I can't hit the ball straight to save my life. Like I have, I have yeah. no clue. And the same thing in dry fire. Like if, if it was going spectacularly as, as Jeff said, for me personally, like if I hit like a couple draws that like, you just nail it and then you hit a couple reloads and just nail it at that point, yeah. I'm like, okay, how fast it's going good. Now, how fast can we possibly make this go rather than just like staying in this groove and, uh, it's feeling good. Mm -hmm. Like kind of staying in that groove. It's like, Oh, well I got that down now. So let's just, let's just rip it all up and try to do something crazy. In your but, golf example, for me, then the fun would be to get back to hitting it straight. Right? Yeah. But that's the problem. You've screwed it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then spending all that time getting it back, it's like I'm a little bit like the board 
in my own training. Yes, and then I yes. create a really big mess, and then I get very busy cleaning it up. And then once I yes. put it back the way it was to begin with, I'm like, good job, me. Yeah. That's, so, dude, so you're probably like, you're probably like super close to optimal. So from what I've read, 15% failure rate is a good learning zone. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're doing 10 reps of, of reloads, like try to do five perfect. And for the next five, push it a little bit and try to fail for two, right? We don't ever try to fail, but you're accepted. I just to try fail. every time and I fail about three out of 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's been true since I started USPSA. Yeah. I don't really miss reloads and matches. But my prior reload, I'd miss three out of ten, and I'd, that number's been constant. Hey, it's it's the match reloads that matter anyway, so who cares? That's true. I say that. I miss match reloads all the time. <laughs> but in my story about myself, I don't. So it's not something yeah. I have to worry about. Well, you're shooting carry optics mostly now, so you do, like, yeah. if it's a ten-stage match, you might do six reloads in the whole match. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's all right. Mm. I'm, I'll shoot Ipsic Nationals again this year. That that means half the stages you do a reload because half of them are short work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So have you been dry firing, Jeremy? Yeah. Are you are you training? Are you did you give up? No. No, I okay, no? so I, I no, I got when like Jeff's like Jeff has finally decided like he's into the season this year. Like and he's like serious about you can tell like all of a sudden like he's posting like long diatribes in the training part of Discord. <laughs> like it, you know, and it's all and it's not just about these weird workout moves where he's jacking up his knees. Uh it's actually like actual dry fire stuff. Uh like that that excites me and motivates me like all right good i have somebody to actually compete against not somebody that's just gonna like probably still beat me but just gonna half try at it uh like i've got somebody that's actually trying so no i'm very like i'm very motivated currently as far as like shooting and training and dry fire uh very much when i like i i wish i could go shoot a local this week and i don't have anything anywhere near me yeah uh but Are you signed no up i'm very before, though I am not signed up for Area Four. I have uh, Jeff, is. Jeff did sign up today. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that 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 range is very suboptimal for an area match. Uh, that like it's it's really a stretch to have a level two on it, and to have an area match is like mm -hmm. chances are it's not going to be much of an area match. That's just what I've been told. So uh, I, I'm not. I'm not like really wanting to go shoot that match. And I can't, I can't remember what time of year it was. It's um, uh, June, June 14th or 15th or something. Months. Less. Yeah. 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 So it, I don't know. I, I'm not. Yeah. Up for it. I think I'll probably, if I want to make a last minute decision on it, I don't think it's going to sell out. So I could probably, probably get in last minute if i wanted to i don't i honestly don't think you should let jeff be the area four champion again and i kind of think the hopes and dreams of hmm. your legions of fans jeremy <laughs> were, that you know that is somewhat the only person who can stop jeff 
If there's that is, anyone in, in Area 4 who can stop Jeff, it's going to be you. That's That actually is fair. Uh, I, I have to think about that and consider taking one for the team. Because uh, I, I do, like, I am excited about the direction my shooting Tim, Tim is Heron's going not right now. Get it done. No. <laughs> Well, he probably be he's probably shooting limited optics in the provisional division anyway. Uh, so uh, he's shooting single stack. He's shooting single stack. Oh, he's he signed, signed up. up. Singles. Yeah, he signed up for it anyway. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm not shooting area four because I'm excited about area four or anything. It's like I wanted some matches a couple months away that were a month or two before area three. So I found some matches in June and that happened to be one that's close to me so i'm gonna do it all in one day two hours away it's probably 12 stages drive shoot drive home i may show up just to just to kick jeff's butt i hope you do i hope you do so we'll see we will see but no like i'm trying to get myself back back to where i i used to really relish competition Mm-hmm. and like the more like the more you invested into it it's more like i just don't want to screw up right and so oh that's a terrible yeah. way to shoot shoot it is not make a mistake yeah. awful oh i i Being fully agree me, like and then you do make the mistake and then you just feel gutted and then you go and make yeah. some more mistakes yeah, yeah. like so like i oh, set yourself free I, I, like free like, willy, have all free willy, all right? Anxiety when you're training, and then when you shoot, just show up and shoot. Exactly, like that. So that I, I'm trying to get, I'm getting myself back to where it's like, oh no, like the actual competitive aspect is what I mm-hmm. am looking forward to and relishing in competition. And so, have you have you had the actual conversation with yourself when they're like, all right, Jeremy reads up, and like you're walking up there and you're like. I want to be here. I want to be here. <laughs> you don't want to be there. Uh, I. It's well. It's never been that I didn't want to be there, but it 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 wasn't a. Hey, now it's time to go show them how good you are. Yeah, now I'm gonna like manifest what I what I am, what I can. Right. Like it's it's always been more of it's all like it, in recent like I, I'm getting I want to get back to that. Like yeah. it kind of it kind of got to a point where it was just more of I know every single way that this stage could go wrong. Uh, it right? kills me when you talk like that, right? Like it's you know how Jeff thinks he thinks man i'm gonna go express myself on this stage right like, this stage is like a blank canvas and i'm about to like slap my paint all over right that's yeah. how you walk up to the stage and you're like oh better paint inside the lines if i paint outside the lines the picture will be ruined yeah so like so that's like that's where i'm like i'm getting myself back mentally to that uh and and partly because I'm starting to see good things in my shooting and practice, which I've said before, but it mm-hmm. it, it does feel like it's uh, like the things that I've been working on are becoming more consistent. Uh, so I'm I am looking forward to competitions this year and looking like trying to just look forward to the competitive part of it. That's okay. good. That's good. Yeah. It's going to be a good season, dude. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, I'm pretty excited about this season. Uh, it should be, it should be fun. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. And kicking Jeff's butt will be even more fun. There you go. You might have to there play before to do it. <laughs> you know what? There's... It sets up an epic rematch at Area 3, which is probably going to be one of the better majors this year. Area 3, I actually have high expectations. Oh, Hopkins yeah, is, I'm, I'm, I'm is running it. Like a level of yeah. stages and like flow and like division agnosticism. It should be. Yep. Yeah, Area 3 is going to be good. Uh, I honestly, like, Jeff can beat me at Area 3. He can, If I go to Area 4, he can beat me there. Nationals, I'm going to crush him. And Ipsic Nationals, I'm going to crush him. All right. I mean, I'm just going to interrupt you right here because I've heard you say this for years. It's like, <laughs> no, you're going to beat him at every match. That's like, true. And you, and you have to believe that. Whether yeah. and when it doesn't happen, you don't, like, say, you know, you're unofficial. You unofficially beat Jeff. <laughs> right. You commit to beating him at the next one because it's like if you're like, oh, none of these things really matter. You're mm -hmm. giving yourself an out to not like play with that pressure. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll beat him so bad that even when he cheats, I'll still beat him. <laughs> no, because here's here's what happens if if we go to three other matches before nationals and I win, which. We've already done one. I've already got one under my belt. Is like I'm building momentum and confidence. And it's like the next match is just like I'm gonna show up and do it again. Except it's gonna be worse this time. Cause because I've been work working. Pride comes before the fall. Mm. The fall of Jeremy Reed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a good season I'm, i actually yeah, but, am looking but really, forward to it's it like, you've said for years you're like nationals is the only match i care about yep you have said that yeah and you've said that a lot and it's like and you're crippling yourself because it's like if you cared about some of these other matches you don't have to care about your locals if you cared about some of these other matches you'd have all of them would be better yeah that's probably true there's probably gotta, yeah there's probably some legitimacy to that you gotta train that that muscle, man, that I'm going to show up and fuck shit up muscle. <laughs> Did you see his crazy eyes? I'm so glad I could see that because I never would have come across when I was just audio. But like just the moment he said that, his eyes like got wide and sort of bugged out. And it's like his crazy eyes came out. It's like, yeah, that's the man that's, we're all afraid of. That, that's, he took those eyes to the raccoons and then left. Yeah, that's, that's what the smelling salts <laughs> brings out of jeff oh yeah oh yeah those crazy eyes that's why he likes the smelling salts yeah dude did did we talk about that on the podcast yet? yeah did we i know i said it in the discord but i wasn't sure if we said it on the podcast i think we did but we're at an hour and a half uh for yeah. this one so we yeah. don't have time for for smelling salts but potato salt <laughs> thank you for coming on what Definitely. is that in the background uh that's my white shepherd Oh, okay. It looked like would be upstairs in the guest room. Okay, it looked like a cat because it looked really small. It uh, did look like just, a cat. It just the fisheye, the fisheye lens. The fact that it's a sh there, yeah, that looks much better. The fact that it's a shepherd means that you're that much cooler. I wish, I wish I had Kenobi to put in the uh, the background of mine, but that's a good boy. <laughs> See, now I like you a lot because I thought you had a cat and I was like, oh, I don't like him. Maybe we won't invite him back on. Uh, but you have two shepherds, right? I do. 
Yeah, so he definitely Potato can come back on if Potato wants I'll to. I'll two cats, though. <laughs> yeah, because we need to have Potato back on to talk about Potato because we're just like, normally the first time people come on, we talk about them, and then later we come on and talk about topics. But this time we're just like, no, we just you know, want like, your input you know, on topics. Mid-pack person with spicy opinions about the board, I think, <laughs> my billing, right? Nobody was like, man, I want to train like that guy. Uh, <laughs> I too look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> no, when we have when we have less going on with the if the board ever stops meeting and stops making crazy decisions, then then we will definitely have potato on for uh, to talk about potatoes shooting, and potatoes also is my running challenge partner, but he hasn't. He needs to he needs to beat my mile five k or ten k time. Uh, what's your five k at? Uh, I feel like it was 22 and change, right? Or is it 21? I thought I was, I thought I was in 21. Let me. No, you're in the 21s. You're correct. Um, I was 21.47. Yeah. I, I ran a 5k today, but uh, I was not 21.47. I could not do that today. Uh, I can promise oh, you that. Not even close to that. Uh, so. That may have yeah, to wait till next year in the off season. Cause I'm, I'm following the Jeff plan of, the, like functional exercise that makes me shoot better as opposed to makes me stronger or makes me faster in ways that don't show up on a, on a stage. I feel like you can mm -hmm. incorporate training for a mile and a 5k within that. Yes, I think you're right. I think, I think more speed work would help, but I mean, I, I, it's pretty rare that you would find a stage where you can even get up to the pace you'd run a, well, but, but I think for you, part of your, see, we're, we're keep going, but for you, part of the problem with your 5k time is you're carrying around 15 to 20 pounds too much. That's a wow. generous read. <laughs> like double that number and we'll start talking. Well, I was, okay. So, but like, so if, if I like, like 165, right. Like, do we need, do we need to do a physique check right now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> We need a follicle check. We haven't got a follicle check for this. Yeah, we need to see that. Show me that. Look how much extra hair there is. So much growth. So I'll trade you wow. my front hair and I'll take your back. Beard. There you go. There's the I follicle mean, check. So, but, but I do think because, <laughs> because what slows your 5k down, what keeps you from beating me in a 5k is those extra pounds. I also think those would massively help your explosive movement in USPSA as well. I think I'd shoot really well at 180 pounds. That's about mm. pounds off where I am. Yeah. So like, but I mean, you're talking, I mean, yeah, so I, that's going to... All of my matches I think that, are in the next two months, so I'm not going to... This is not going to be this year. Oh, yeah, so that's that's the uh, the problem with with dropping weight when you're trying to train per, for performances. You might have issues recovering and lose muscle mass, get weaker. You pick up some joint injuries. Might get sick. 
Jeff, not everybody's body is as weak as yours, and it just falls apart just randomly. Just, just I disagree. I disagree. I think most people's are. Yeah, I think we've covered this before. It's Jeff's threshold for discomfort is so low. <laughs> yes, that, that at some point true. he'll get a real right. Yeah, clarifying moment of oh my goodness. That's what pain is. Yes, that. <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, so on that, uh, thank you for pointing out uh, Jeff's weakness uh, and not not only physical but mental weakness as well. And uh, I didn't actually do that one. But anyway, I, I I felt like it was close enough that I'll just attribute it to that. So, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, please go to Shooters Connection, use the link, and buy any of the stuff that you need for shooting pasters, targets. Uh, they have virtually anything you need to compete in this sport. Uh, so go to them, go buy it, use the link, and thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. If you have any questions or anything. Uh, send it to us and we will try to discuss it on a future podcast if you want potato to come back on let us know uh, which means that you listened all the way to this point of the episode uh, but we love critiques you can critique him if he was terrible like that's fine too because that's that's just fine too we got jeff uh if you want to join the discord check out the patreon link there is that we haven't talked about it in a while so if you want to get in the discord that's how you do it there's two uh, ways and for those of you that have contributed and and shooters connection for sponsoring the show uh we we have some money that jeff actually hasn't blown yet uh <laughs> and so we have exciting uh yes we oh headland we didn't give him a patreon shout out Jeff didn't did you ask him another one? I just did. Oh, you just did. Oh great, Jeff. Right now. Yeah, yeah right before you said that. He We'll give yeah. it a second. We'll give it a second. Sorry, we have to record longer. Okay, but so we have we have some options of things that we are discussing on doing with that money, which should be pretty cool uh in the future. Oh yeah. I'm really excited about that. The, the number one A1 option is actually, uh, do we want to tell them what, we're, what our first option is right now? No, no, don't tell them. Not yet. Okay. I mean, I don't think that more than five people will make it to this point in the podcast, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we're waiting on John Hedlund. Can we give, okay, John Hedlund, uh, we're going to give your boy uh, Daniel Hughes with Recoil Built on Instagram a shout out. Uh, <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, a shout out to Ryan Barnes with Blue Lube for making awesome products. Uh, a shout out to John Triplett on joining the 2011 Master Race. And a shout out to Henjuri Quell for being a supreme sandbagger. So we've covered all your shout outs here tonight in the past and we'll blame Jeff for not speaking to you earlier about getting a shout out. Yeah. Sorry. I was a little out of my element in this, this new space. We'll do that next you, time. You are up late. It is an hour later in Maine, all yeah. part of the country. So thank you for coming on late and uh, yes. really did thank enjoy you. the conversation. Come here.
Thanks for having me. Take care.